Hey there, this is Michael Burris. I'm the lead pastor of Summit View Church in Irving, Kentucky, and this is our podcast. I hope this podcast encourages you, I hope it inspires you, and I hope it helps you to start seeing your life from God's perspective. Thanks for joining us today. Now enjoy the message. This morning, we are in week three, nope, we're in week four of our series called Wilderness Survival Guide, Seven Tips to Thrive in Life. This series is based completely out of the book of Exodus, the second book in your Bible, Um, and it's following a man named Moses and God's chosen people at the time, God's chosen nation, the nation of Israel, that God found favor on Israel. Those were the people that he had kept um, for himself. He had set them apart as his chosen nation. Now today, um, Israel has great importance in the world, but also the Bible says that we can be engrafted into God's chosen people. So the principles that we're seeing in the book of Exodus we can still apply them to our lives because God has grace enough for us that he adopts us into the family as well. And it's, you know, it's so easy for us when times are getting tough and life is hard. It's so easy to get into this groove of life where we're just kind of trying to survive, where we're just trying to, to make it. And we're putting that, that car in coast and life is just happening to us rather than us, you know, kind of uh, choosing our destiny in life. But the whole premise of this series is that God doesn't want you to just survive. God wants you to thrive in life. In John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus said this, that the thief comes only in order to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That was good timing, right? Destroy. Okay, cool. Uh, You guys must not have heard it. It was just me. I have, Jesus said though that I have come that you may have life and life in all of its fullness. That God doesn't want us to survive. God wants us to thrive. He wants us to live this abundant life so that we can look different than the world. God wants to bless his children. God wants to bless his people so that the overflow of God's goodness in our life might impact the lives of the people that are around us. So um, where, am I, uh, where are my impatient people this morning? Impatient people, look at you. You couldn't even wait to get your hand up in the air. <laughs> impatient people. You know, patience is not something that we do very well in culture today. I'm going to be honest, I don't do very well at it. Um, in fact, we, we continue to create more and more ways for us to feed into our impatience. Actually, we have microwaves, we have pressure cookers, uh, we have smartphones, text messaging, just all the technology in the world to make it where we don't have to wait on anything. And, and it's great in certain senses, like there's, there's, there's times where that's a great thing, but, but it's terrible in the sense that we never develop this character trait called patience. And when it comes to, when it comes to texting, I don't, like, I don't know if you're like me, but, but if I text somebody or message somebody and I, I don't get a response almost, um, almost immediately, I start to struggle real bad. Like, I don't know if you're the same way. Um, and it gets even worse if, like, somebody has their red receipts on and they read it. Like, Apple, Apple lovers. Where are my Apple lovers in the, in the house? Let me see. Apple. Okay. Must, the rest of y'all must be Android. We'll pray for you. Um, it's, come, you'll, you'll, you'll join the light side soon. Red receipts. Uh, ask an Apple 
uh, iPhone user about red receipts, they'll tell you what it's all about. Um, but red receipts are either, they're either from the Lord or they're from the devil. And uh, for me, most of the time they're from the devil. Like if, you, if I see that you've read my message and, and I don't see those three dots come up like almost immediately, ooh, I start getting real, real anxious and, you know, I start sweating like a long-tailed cat in a room full of rocking chairs. You know what I mean? Like, you'll get that in a second. Um, but this is how I like to define, y'all wake up this morning. I'm telling some good ones up here. And y'all are like, golly, flat out bombing up here. Thought it was going to be better than this. This is how I like to define patience. Moving on. Patience for, for the sake of this morning, patience would be defined as waiting with a good attitude. Like everybody, anybody can wait. In fact, we're forced to wait. But what makes the difference for the patient people is that their waiting is done with a good attitude. And I can understand why we struggle here. You know, we've positioned ourselves to think if that we can't receive it right away, we must be doing something wrong. If it's not coming right when we put the first bit of effort in, something must be wrong. The best things in life, though, they take time. I'm going to give a hot take here, no pun intended. I've never had any dish from a microwave or a pressure cooker that I like as much as that same dish cooked in a slow cooker. I've never had one before. I've never, like, yeah, I've eaten some stuff from the pressure cooker, but I prefer it from the slow cooker. That's just the way it is, but... Because the best things in life, they take time, they take patience, and we should value patience. So today we're going to be talking about tip number four, which is this, in our Wilderness Survival Guide, remember patience. Remember patience. And I say remember because it is so easy to forget the value of patience, especially in our current culture that we have today. Exodus chapter 15 is where we're going to hang out today, uh, starting in verse 22, and we're going to go through verse 27. This is going to be this story that we hang out on and learn a few things from. And it says this, um, if you don't have your Bible, that's okay, you can catch it on the screens beside me, or you can look at it on your Apple iPhone. And if you have an Android, you just need to watch out because they might be the wrong words in that Bible. Thank you. Thank you for that laugh. Pity laugh. It's great. Uh, Exodus chapter 15. I'm all over the place. I'm sorry. Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went into the desert of Shur. You know, I wish I could go into some Shur places in my life. You know what I mean? Like, just a thought. I don't know. For three days, they traveled in the desert without finding water. And then they came to the place of Marah, where they could not drink its water because it was bitter. And that's why the place is called Marah. Because in the Hebrew, Marah means bitter. Some of you are rethinking your children's names right now. Some of you are like, my, my daughter's name, Mara. And that is, that is on point. My daughter's named Mara, and she's very, very bitter. I don't know. So the people grumbled against Moses, saying, what are we to drink? And then Moses cried out to the Lord. And the Lord showed him a piece of wood. He threw it into the water. I don't understand how God does these miracles sometimes. Whatever. But he showed him a piece of wood. He threw it into the water, and the water became fit to drink. There, the Lord issued a ruling and instruction for them and put them to the test. He said, If you listen carefully to the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes 
If you pay attention to his commands and keep all his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. And then they came to Elim, where there were 12 springs and 70 palm trees. And they camped there near the water. This morning, this, this passage that we're looking at takes, direct, takes place directly after God had parted the Red Sea and, the, and he allowed the Israelites to walk through on dry ground. In the process of freeing them from captivity, God performed all of these amazing miracles that have compiled into this experience of this miracle that is, is still talked about days and days later. If you've never been to church before, you've probably heard about uh, God parting the Red Sea. Like if you've seen Bruce Almighty, you've seen him part the tomato, uh, the tomato soup, right? And if y'all go back and watch, it's, I can't recommend it, but if you just happen to watch it, he parts the red tomato soup and it's just very funny. But um, could you imagine that, though, if you were one of the Israelites? Could you imagine standing right there at the, at the edge of the sea, and then the water just parts on either side of you? Walls of water, I can't even imagine how tall they were, because it had to be just parted for everybody to walk through, and just so tall, and they walked through the other side. And um, for me, I would imagine myself, after that moment, to be on a pretty spiritual high for, like, who knows how long it would take to ruin it, right? You guys ever been there before? God does something amazing in your life, and then you're like, oh, man, I've never felt so empowered before. And then the next bad thing comes along, and you're like, what the heck is this? God, you left me, and you've never been with me. You never loved me. Just, I don't know, maybe that's just me. But the Israelites, they, they just experienced this big miracle, like one of the most amazing miracles that they had ever, they probably have never even dreamt that, that it was going to be something like that. And they were headed to, through the desert of Shur on their way to Mount, a place called Mount Sinai where they were going to worship the Lord and then take from there into their promised land. And along the way, they started complaining that they had a hard time finding water, you know, like the desert and all it's just hard to find hard to find water out there and finally after 3 days they they came to a source of water and then they got the slap in the face that this water that they found after just after 3 days it was too bitter to be able to drink it and but God being merciful means that he would make the water clean for them to drink even though even though they're at Marah they found water to drink but this was not God's best plan for them. This wasn't God's plan A for the Israelites to land there at Marah for them to drink the water. And I'll tell you, I'll show you why. Can you flip back to verse 27 for me? This is so easy to miss because it's right at the end of the chapter and you're like, okay, I finally made it through. Like, that's me. Uh, I've made it through the chapter. This is the last verse. I'm flipping on to chapter 16 now. But the Bible says this, then they came to Elim where there were 12 springs and 70 palm trees, and they camped there near the water. You know, when I was reading through the book of Exodus, I was preparing for this series, something significant struck me about this passage that had never struck me before. The Israelites, they were grumbling and complaining about not having water, and the whole time they were in process of being led to the source of water. They ended up stopping at Marah, but that was not God's plan. If they, and look at this passage. God was leading the people to Elim. 
He was leading the people to a, a greater source of water. Marah was just a detour that they were never meant to go on in the first place. You see what I'm saying? Like right after Marah, the people arrived at Elim. Right after the people arrived at Elim. And that was where God was leading them to start with. So they wasted all of this time and all of this energy camping out at Marah because they grumbled and they complained their way into it because they were impatient. Impatience causes us to settle in places that God never intended for us while he's trying to lead us to places that he's planned. Don't let impatience cause you to settle in Marah when God is trying to lead you to Elim. How many times has that happened in your life before? I've seen this over and over in my life that, that right before God's real blessings, there is some kind of counterfeit that comes along. That, that maybe the man or the woman of your dreams is in the near future, but, the, but first the counterfeit comes along. You know, I, can I be real this morning? Are you guys with me? I'm going to just be real this morning. I've seen this so often in people's love lives that the wrong person usually shows up right before the right one. Over and over, there's so many stories that I, that I, that I can tell you that my life being one of them, personally. But the wrong person shows up right before the right one. And some of us, thank God that we didn't settle with the wrong one because the right one was just around the corner. There's this story in the, in the Bible, um, in the book of Genesis, actually, the first book of your Bible. There's a man named Abraham, and uh, Abraham, he had a wife named Sarah, and God had promised Abraham and Sarah that he was going to give them uh, a, he was going to give them children. He was going to start with a, with a child. He was going to make him great and the father of many nations. And Abraham and Sarah, though, they were very, very old. And so uh, they didn't believe that they they were a, that Sarah didn't believe that she was going to be able to get pregnant. Finally, she get, she got pregnant and um, and had this son Isaac. But they weren't the most patient people, and so Sarah had a hard time believing that she was going to be able to get pregnant. And so she and Abraham concocted this uh, this plan that Abraham was going to uh, take one of his one of their servants, he's going to take one of their, that's real loud back there, isn't it? He's going to take one of their servants as his own, and he was going to have a baby with her. Her name was Hagar. And, and the, the plan was, he has a baby with Hagar, and then maybe that's how God was trying to get us our children. You guys ever done that, trying to rationalize out what God was doing and just taking your destiny into your own hands? So Abraham has a, has a child with this lady named Hagar, and what happened was nothing good. It was only friction that happened from that point on. Because if you can believe it, if you can believe it, uh, Hagar and Sarah, they didn't get along very well after that. Like, you slept with another man's, or another woman's husband, and believe it or not, she had a baby and, uh, and didn't get along very well. And so... Um, there was a lot of friction in the camp, and it eventually ended up with, uh, with Hagar and, and the son named Ishmael having to be put out of the camp. Had to be put out of the camp in, in, until um, finally Abraham and, and uh, Sarah would eventually have Isaac. But the problem was, 
They went through all this stress, all this turmoil, all these problems because Sarah and Abraham had to try to force God's hand. They tried to make it to where God's plan would come through on their backs rather than him. And so they were impatient and they took matters into their own hands. And they had a mess to deal with afterwards because impatience always leads to counterfeit dreams. Always, 100% of the time. Impatience always leads to counterfeit dreams. But patience, patience leads to peace. Philippians chapter 4 verses 6 and 7 say this. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This passage is essentially saying that if you are patient rather than anxious, you're anx- present your anxious request to God. Stay patient in that, and then the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will rest on your heart and it'll guard you. But unrest is a symptom of impatience. But the end result of patience is peace. People will tell you, don't pray for patience because God will give you an opportunity to use it. But if we're being real, you're going to have opportunities to use patience either way. Pray for it or not. You're, like, you, you're going to be driving today. And if you didn't pray for patience, you're still going to have opportunities. Because 52 is going to be backed up with road work. And they're going to be waving people. That's just, I'll just have, that was just me the other day. Anyway, but this morning... For the rest of my time, I want to give you three big thoughts that we can take away from this morning's passage around the theme of patience. Theme of patience. Number one, I want you to know that God has not forgotten about you. God hasn't forgotten about you. It may feel like that at some times. I know, it can, I know life gets tough. Relationships get broken. Dreams get shattered. In those moments, it can feel like you've been completely forgotten about, but I promise you that is not the case. That is not the case. You have a God. You have a Father in heaven that remembers you. And he remembers the promises that he made you. Psalms chapter 105 verse 8 says this, that God remembers his covenant forever. The promise he made for a thousand generations. Guys, you are, you are God's most treasured possession. You are. No matter what you, what you think, what you look like, what you feel like, if you believe in him or not, you are God's most treasured possession. And he's going to remember you. He, he's not left you. He's not abandoned you. You know, I have certain pieces of, of clothing, uh, very, very nice pieces of clothing that um, paid good money for them. Honestly, more money than I like to pay for clothes, um, you know, suits and all that. It, it, but I don't wear them very often. Like I just, I don't like to wear them very often. Not because um, I forget about them, but because I like to save those for special occasions. And I think somebody might be feeling like God has forgotten about you this morning. But I just want to tell you, He's not forgotten about you. He may be saving you for a special occasion. That He just doesn't bring you out for just any old day. That you just haven't been forgotten about. You've been saved up. 
You're sitting in God's closet and he can't wait to put you on display. God hasn't forgotten about you. His timing is everything and he's going to make sure that it's perfect. Whatever you need in your life, God's timing is perfect. And he's going to give it to you at just the right time because he's not forgotten about you. He just knows a way that's better than ours. Number two, I want you to know this, that God's best is just beyond your next test. God's best is just beyond your next test. And this is what I want to encourage you with this morning. Three words. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't get impatient. There's this man in the New Testament that we read about. His name was Lazarus, and he had two sisters, Mary and Martha. And Lazarus was a good friend of Jesus, which, you know, you'd think would give you some special privilege and, you know, a special place. You're, the, you're the, a good friend of the Son of God. And, um, and then Lazarus, one day, he gets sick. He gets real sick. And Mary and Martha sent word to Jesus and said, Lazarus, the one that you love, Lazarus, he's sick and he's dying. And then we, we can see this story in John chapter 11. If, and it reads in verse 6 that when, when Jesus heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Which is weird to me, like. Personally, if I'm reading that, I hear one of my friends are really sick on their deathbed. I, I'm going to be rushing to them. But Jesus, he loved Lazarus, and he stayed where he was two more days. And finally, after two days, he told his disciples, hey, we're going on to Judea. We're going on to see Lazarus now. And uh, verses, picking up in verse 14 Jesus tells his disciples, it says, he told them plainly, because right before this, they're like, he said it in code. He's like, Lazarus is sleeping, and I'm going to go wake him up. And then the disciples are like, but he's sick. Shouldn't he need to sleep? And he's like, no, you dummies. And this is what he says. He said, Lazarus is dead, okay? Lazarus is dead. And then in verse 15, he says, and for your sake, I am glad I was not there so that you may believe but let us go to him. In other words, Jesus is saying to his disciples, he was about to show them something great. He, he said, I am, I'm, I'm actually glad that Lazarus is dead because you're about to see something. And so Jesus and his disciples, they go to Judea and Jesus resurrects Lazarus from the dead. Lazarus had been buried in a tomb for four days. Like, and by the way, the fourth day is when the Hebrew people would believe that the spirit has left the body. And so Jesus waited until the moment that they knew Lazarus was dead, dead, gone. And then Jesus resurrected him from the grave. And in doing so, Jesus proved to everybody that was there, that was looking on, that he wasn't just a good healer, but that he also had power over death. You know, Jesus could have, Jesus could have healed Lazarus the moment that he heard about the sickness. We saw him do it in the, in the, in the scripture. We saw that a man came to him, and Jesus, all he did was send his word. And this little girl that was far, far off was healed in that moment. He could have done the same thing for Lazarus. But he didn't do that. For Lazarus, he waited until Lazarus was dead. 
Because the point is this. Healing would have been good. Healing Lazarus would have been good, but resurrecting Lazarus from the dead was God's best in that moment. And what I want you to do, I don't want you to settle for God's good because you are too impatient to wait for God's best. Because you will, if you're not careful. Don't settle for God's good because you're too impatient to wait for God's best. God's best is just beyond your next test. And just like in the story of the Israelites that we looked at earlier, God's best for them was to take them to this place called Elim where they could enjoy fresh water from 12 different springs and then sit under the shade of 70 different palm trees. But they chose to first make camp at Marah. And God's best was just beyond that test. Your patience will reward itself on the other side of the test. So don't hold, so, so hold on and don't settle. I, I want you to hear this. Don't settle. Don't settle your standards. Don't settle your character. Don't settle your morals because a good opportunity comes along. Don't settle on your relationships because so-and-so, they look nice. And I, you know what? If I bring them to church, maybe they'll give their life to Jesus. And maybe things will start moving and they'll change. Newsflash, they won't. <laughs> so don't settle for good. Don't lower your standards for good when God wants you to have the best. It'll come along. Stay patient. You will see God's best on the other side of the test. Then finally, number three, closing this thing out. You will never regret patience. You'll never regret it. There's many things in my life that I, I feel like I can regret. But my regrets never happened as a result of my patience. Many of my regrets, though, they did result from my impatience. Impatience will bring unfulfilled expectations. But listen to me, patience will bring endurance. Patience will bring hope. I'll show it to you. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31 says, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. And there's somebody in this room this morning that you need God to renew your strength. You need a touch from him. You're tired. You're, you're, you're burnt out. This season of life has been so hard for you. And I felt like this morning that the Lord spoke to my heart as I was getting ready. And he said, somebody's coming into that room that they say, this is it. This is the last chance. I'm going to try it one more time. But God's got, to, God's got to come through. He's got to give me a sign. He's got to, you've got to show me. And I want to let you know this is your sign. That God says, if you wait on him, you shall renew your strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Strength happens when you wait well. And it may be you, and you may be tired, but just hold on. 
Hold on in the waiting. If you're lacking hope, you're going to be tempted to abandon your patience. You're going to be tempted to take things into your own hands. You're going to be tempted to orchestrate your own destiny. But I would just encourage you to do the opposite. If you're lacking hope this morning, don't abandon patience. Lean into the waiting. Let God speak to you. Lean into the waiting. Live your fullest life in your current season. Do everything that you can do to love well, to serve well, to live well in your current season. And in that, the promise will be fulfilled that those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. You're never going to regret patience. When you do it, when you do it well, when you wait well, you won't regret it. You'll be strengthened by it. Your endurance is tied to your patience. So don't give up. Don't give in. God God has something better for you. You just got to get through this. You got to get through today. And he's got something waiting for you. Don't settle in Marah when God is trying to lead you on to Elim. You want to thrive in life? Remember patience. Remember patience. Well, thanks for joining us today. I pray that this message had an incredible impact on your life. If you want more information about our church, you can check us out online at summitview.online. We hope we get to see you on a Sunday very, very soon. But until then, have a great week.